O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Sunday, November 21st. Shabbat Shalom. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year. Focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit. As it is written in Romans 10:17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we begin the new Torah portion, Vayashev, and it means, And he settled. Genesis 37, 1-11 Now Jacob was settled in the land where his father had sojourned, the land of Canaan. This, then, is the line of Jacob. At seventeen years of age, Joseph tended the flocks with his brothers as a helper to the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. And Joseph brought bad reports of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph best of all his sons, for he was the child of his old age, and he had made him an ornamental tunic. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of his brothers, they hated him, so that they could not speak a friendly word to him. Once Joseph had a dream which he told to his brothers, and they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field, when suddenly my sheaf stood up and remained upright. Then your sheaves gathered around and bowed low to my sheaf. 
His brothers answered, Do you mean to reign over us? Do you mean to rule over us? And they hated him even more for his talk about his dreams. He dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers, saying, Look, I have had another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. And when he told it to his father and brothers, his father berated him. What, he said to him, is this dream you have dreamed? Are we to come, I and your mother and your brothers, and bow low to you to the ground? So his brothers were wrought up at him, and his father kept the matter in mind. Ezekiel 42.1-43.27 He took me out, by way of the northern gate, into the outer court, and he led me westward up to a complex of chambers that ran parallel to the northern ends of the vacant space and the structure. The width of its facade, its north side, the one from which it was entered was one hundred emot, and its depth was fifty emot. At right angles to the twenty emot of the inner court, and to the pavement of the outer court, the complex rose ledge by ledge in three tiers. There was an areaway ten emot wide and a road of one ama running along the inner court side of the chamber complex, but its entrances were on its north side. Here its upper chambers were cut back, because ledges took away from them, as construction proceeded backward from the bottom ones, and then from the middle ones. For they were arranged in three tiers, and they had no columns like those of the chambers in the courts. That is why the rise proceeded by stages, from the ground, from the bottom ones, and from the middle ones. In the outer court, a wall fifty emote long ran parallel to the chamber complex up to the chambers in the outer court. For the chambers in the outer court were themselves fifty emote deep, thus completing one hundred emote alongside the edifice. Thus, at the foot of that complex of chambers ran a passage, of a width set by the wall in the outer court, which one entered from the east in order to gain access to them from the outer court. There was another chamber complex to the east of the vacant space and the structure, likewise with a passage in front, just like the complex on the north side, with which this one agreed in width and depth, and in the exact layout of its exits and entrances. Accordingly, the entrances to the chamber complex on the south side were approached from the east by the entrance at the head of the corresponding passage along the matching wall. And he said to me, The northern chambers and the southern chambers by the vacant space are the consecrated chambers in which the Kohenim, who have access to Hashem, shall eat the most holy offerings. There they shall deposit the most holy offerings, the meal offerings, the sin offerings, and the guilt offerings, for the place is consecrated. When the Kohenim enter, They shall not proceed from the consecrated place to the outer court without first leaving here the vestments in which they minister. For the vestments are consecrated before proceeding to the area open to the people 
they shall put on other garments. When he had finished the measurements of the inner temple area, he led me out by way of the gate which faces east, and he measured off the entire area. He measured the east side with the measuring rod, five hundred a moat in rods by the measuring rod. He turned and measured the north side, five hundred a moat in rods by the measuring rod. He turned and measured the south side, five hundred a moat in rods by the measuring rod. Then he turned to the west side and measured it, five hundred a moat in rods by the measuring rod. Thus he measured it on the four sides. It had a wall completely surrounding it, five hundred a moat long on each side, to separate the consecrated from the unconsecrated. Then he led me to a gate, the gate that faced east, and there, coming from the east with a roar, like the roar of mighty waters, was the presence of the God of Israel, and the earth was lit up by his presence. The vision was like the vision I had seen when I came to destroy the city, the very same vision that I had seen by the Chabar Canal. Forthwith I fell on my face. The presence of Hashem entered the temple by the gate that faced eastward. A spirit carried me into the inner court, and lo, the presence of Hashem filled the temple. And I heard speech addressed to me from the temple, though the man was standing beside me. It said to me, O mortal, this is the place of my throne, and the place for the soles of my feet, where I will dwell in the midst of the people Israel forever. The house of Israel and their kings must not again defile my holy name by their apostasy and by the corpses of their kings at their death. When they place their threshold next to my threshold and their doorposts next to my doorposts with only a while between me and them, they would defile my holy name by the abominations that they committed, and I consumed them in my anger. Therefore, let them put their apostasy and the corpses of their kings far from me, and I will dwell among them forever. Now you, O mortal, describe the temple to the house of Israel, and let them measure its design, but let them be ashamed of their iniquities. When they are ashamed of all they have done, make known to them the plan of the temple and its layout, its exits and entrances, its entire plan, and all the laws and instructions pertaining to its entire plan. Write it down before their eyes, that they may faithfully follow its entire plan and all its laws. Such are the instructions for the temple on top of the mountain. The entire area of its enclosure shall be most holy. Thus far the instructions for the temple. And these are the dimensions of the altar, the amot, where each is an ama and a tefa. The trench shall be an ama deep and an ama wide, with a rim one zaret high around its edge, and the height shall be as follows. From the trench in the ground to the lower ledge, which shall be an ama wide, to a moat. From the lower ledge to the upper ledge, which shall likewise be an ama wide, for a moat. Now the hearth shall be twelve a moat long, 
and twelve broad, square with four equal sides. Hence the upper base shall be fourteen amount broad with four equal sides. The surrounding rim shall be half an amma high, and the surrounding trench shall measure one amma, and the ram shall face east. And then he said to me, O mortal, thus said Hashem, these are the directions for the mitzbayah, the altar, on the day it is erected, so that burnt offerings may be offered up on it, and blood dashed against it. You shall give to the Levitical Kohenim who are of the stock of Zadok, and so eligible to minister to me, declares Hashem, a young bull of the herd for a sin offering. You shall take some of its blood and apply it to the four horns of the mitzbayah, the altar, to the four corners of the base and to the surrounding rim. Thus you shall purge it and perform purification upon it. Then you shall take the bull of sin offering and burn it in the designated area of the temple outside the sanctuary. On the following day, you shall offer a goat without blemish as a sin offering, and the mitzbayah, the altar, shall be purged with it, just as it was purged with the bull. When you have completed the ritual of purging, you shall offer a bull of the herd without blemish and a ram of the flock without blemish. Offer them to Hashem. Let the Kohinim throw salt on them and offer them up as a burnt offering to Hashem. Every day, for seven days, you shall present a goat of sin offering, as well as a bull of the herd and a ram of the flock. You shall present unblemished ones. Seven days they shall purge the altar and cleanse it. Thus shall it be consecrated. And when these days are over, Then, from the eighth day onward, the Kohenim shall offer your burnt offerings and your offerings of well-being on the altar. I will extend my favor to you, declares Hashem. James 5, 1-20 Go to now, you rich men, weep and howl for your mercy miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rest of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, cries. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived in pleasure on the earth, and have been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, and he does not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth, and has long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Be also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws near. Grudge not one against another. Brethren, lest you be condemned, behold, the judge stands before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. 
You have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no, no, lest you fall into condemnation. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man subject to like passage as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, If any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converts the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. Psalm 119, 1-16 Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the Torah of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes! Then shall I not be ashamed, when I have respect unto all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart, when I shall have learned your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes, O forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart have I sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies, as much as in all riches. I will meditate in your precepts, and have respect unto your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Proverbs 28, 6-7 Better is the poor that walks in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Whoso keeps the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of righteous men shames his father. I'd like to speak to you today from our Torah portion from Genesis chapter 37, and then we're going to jump into Ezekiel. And in Genesis 37, we see the opening chapter that just talks about Joseph and his brothers. 
And we see from the get-go that Joseph is favored by his father. His father gives him a coat of many colors. And basically, this coat, the significance of this coat is that it indicates that his father is intending for Joseph to inherit the blessing and the inheritance, to step into the role of being the Melchizedek priest of the family. And yet Joseph is one of the youngest brothers. Benjamin has not yet been born, so at this point he is the youngest brother. And typically that role goes to the oldest son. So when the brothers see that their father is favoring Joseph, they begin to hate him. So let's look at verse 2, chapter 37, verse 2. This then is the line of Jacob. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended the flocks with his brothers as a helper to the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. And Joseph brought bad reports of them to their father. So the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. It is no coincidence that so many biblical heroes are shepherds. The sages point out that this simple profession is excellent spiritually for two reasons. On one hand, the abundance of time for quiet reflection and meditation allows the shepherd to develop an intimate relationship with Hashem. On the other hand, a shepherd who excels in his work acquires a deep sensitivity to the needs of each and every sheep in his flock. What Joseph learns as a young shepherd enables him to become a paradigm of leadership for all future generations in the service of God and in the service of man. So, continuing on with this unfolding story, Joseph then has a dream, actually two different dreams, and each of those two different dreams are indicating the same principle or the same outcome. And he tells his dream to his brothers, and when he tells the dream to his brothers, it makes them hate him even more for his talk about his dreams. In the first dream, um, he says, We were binding sheaves in the field when suddenly my sheaf stood up and remained upright, and then your sheaves gathered around and bowed low to my sheaf. Of course, this made his brothers hate him even more. And they said, Do you mean to reign over us? Do you mean to rule over us? And then he has a second dream, and he says in verse 9, Look, I've had another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. He told it to his father and brothers, and his father berated him. What, he said to him, is this the dream you have dreamed? Are we to come, I and your mother and your brothers, and bow low to you to the ground? So this is his father's interpretation of the dream. He's interpreting that the sun and the moon represent the mother and the father, and that the stars represent his brothers. So now I want to cross-reference this to another vision, because I really believe they are connected. And this comes from Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the moon, and the moon under her feet, 
and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. So the elements of this vision are very similar to Joseph's second dream. The twelve stars, I believe, represent the twelve tribes of Israel. And then the sun and the moon, that goes back to Joseph's dream. That was his father and his mother. But in this setting, in Revelation 12, 1, it's very possible that the moon under her feet, the symbol of Islam, is the sliver moon. And whenever you look at different flags coming from different Islamic nations, they always have a sliver moon. And then clothed with the sun. Well, in the time of Constantine, around 300-320 AD, what was very prominent at that time was sun worship. They worshipped the sun. And that this is a big reason why when Constantine gathered with the early church uh, elders back in around 320 or 326 AD, they changed the day of worship from Shabbat to Sunday. And Sunday, that was, you know, the word Sunday, it, it indicates the sun worship. That was what much of the pagan world did back in that those days was they worshipped the sun. So this woman is clothed with the sun and the moon is under her feet and upon her head is a crown of 12 stars. So these two dreams or visions are connected. And so um, we can talk about that more another time, but I just wanted to bring that forward to you. Now let's jump into Ezekiel. And we've been reading about the third temple, the future third temple. And in Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 20, it is written, Thus he measured it on the four sides. It had a wall completely surrounding it, 500 emote long on each side to separate the consecrated from the unconsecrated. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Ezekiel's vision of the rebuilt temple concludes with a description of its surrounding walls. These walls form a perfect square. 500 cubits on each side and serve to distinguish between the holiness of Har Habayit, the Temple Mount, and the rest of Jerusalem, where sacrifices could not be offered. The Mishnah teaches that the land of Israel possesses ten ascending levels of holiness, starting from the outskirts of the country and culminating with the Holy of Holies, the resting place of God's divine presence. Now I want to jump into chapter 43. Verse 10, where it is written, Now you, O mortal, describe the temple to the house of Israel, and let them measure its design, but let them be ashamed of their iniquities. Continuing on, verse 11, When they are ashamed of all they have done, and made known to them the plan of the temple, and its layout, its exits and entrances, its entire plan, and all the laws and instructions pertaining to its entire plan. Write it down before their eyes, that they may faithfully follow its entire plan and all its laws. 
So, first of all, he's talking to the house of Israel. The house of Israel is the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of the north, the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel. So he's saying to us, the non-Jews, I want you to study the pattern of the temple. Why is that? Why is it important to understand the pattern of the temple? After all, it's destroyed right now. There is no temple. There will be a third temple because this is prophesied here in the book of Ezekiel in these chapters that we've been reading. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse answers that question, why do we need to study the temple? The sages describe a conversation that took place between Hashem and Ezekiel after the prophet had been exiled to Babylon. The Lord tells Ezekiel to teach the design of the third temple to the children of Israel. Ezekiel answers, let it wait until we return to the land of Israel. We cannot build it here in Babylon. Hashem turns to the prophet and responds, no, teach it to the people now. Because when the people study the design of the temple, I will consider it as if they had already begun to build it. Today, scholars in Jerusalem are studying the design of the third temple and are already building vessels to use in it, including the solid gold menorah prominently displayed at the top of the stairs leading down to the hotel. Also, If you do get a chance to visit Israel, or perhaps you already have visited Israel, uh, a must-place visit is the Temple Institute, and it is in the Old City, right close to where that menorah is. And in the Temple Institute, it's basically a museum, uh, and inside you will see different parts and pieces of what's going to go inside the temple. So the trumpets, the silver trumpets, the altar, the priestly robes and garments, the uh, table of showbread, all of the different pieces of furniture and things that belong inside the temple are in the Temple Institute in this museum, and you can see them. They're actually training the Kohenim, the priests, in the daily... Tamid lamb offering sacrifice and training them for how to dedicate and prepare that altar for those seven days. We read about that in chapter 43 in the concluding verses. It talks about the daily sacrifices that are to be done. Um, In verse 25, it concludes in chapter 43, Every day for seven days you shall present a goat of sin offering as well as a bull of the herd and a ram of the flock. You shall present unblemished ones. Verse 26, Seven days they shall purge the altar and cleanse it. Thus shall it be consecrated. So after the seven days, the altar is then consecrated. And then after it's been consecrated, then they can begin doing the daily Tamid lamb offering twice a day. And that's going to happen. We know this because in Daniel chapter 9, in the concluding verses of chapter 9, it talks about how when the daily sacrifice on the Temple Mount is interrupted, it's stopped. And all of a sudden, 
the abomination that causes desolation goes up in its place. Um, that hasn't happened yet, but it will happen. So studying the temple is a good thing to do, understanding the pattern. And it's because this is ultimately where Yeshua is going to rule and reign from. So we need to get the temple on our radar scope. There's a good book I can recommend, and it's called Jesus Loves the Temple, written by Benjamin Hilton. And if you go to the Hyovel, you go to the Hyovel.com website and go into their marketplace, you can purchase the book there. It's part of the Hyovel team. Ben Hilton wrote the book, Jesus Loves the Temple, Benjamin Hilton. Okay, that's all I have for today. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>